This is an ABC podcast. Hello. Hello. How you going? Good. What's going on? Hey, hey. how are you? I'm Kaya. Thanks for having me. Do you want to give me a tour? Sure. Sure. Is she okay on the carpet? Yeah, Because I can take them off. It is a boys' house. Well, it doesn't look like a boys' house. They make you free. Welcome to Simon Schofield's house. The Scosho, as his mates call him. This house looks like any other. In a quiet suburban street in the Lower Hunter, it's tree-lined. Caravans are parked next to cars in the cul-de-sac. The house is brick with a big backyard. This is our backyard. Yep. This is where we like coming out here during Christmas. And... Did I hear cricket pitch? Oh, wow. Oh, it's measured up, I can see. All sorts of sport back here. But this house changes lives, empowers people, and provides the independence we all aim to have as we hit adulthood. How? Let's find out. I'm Kaya Handley, and this is the Newcastle Hunter Catch-Up. My name's Simon. I'm from Newcastle, um, and I live with two housemates. Mm -hmm that I live with, um, and and I've got a good um, spot where I'm living um, and that kind of thing and the best staff. Simon Schofield is your average 35-year-old. He loves sport. Uh, I took seven for nine. All right. I've seven overs in in, in third grade. and um, Spin? Spin, um, like, like spin, like Shane Warne. Bit of banter with his mate. Just having fun and banter and... And don't give any, any each other lip. Just just give them some space. <laughs> and he's kind of a big deal on TikTok. Uh, I'm the queen of TikTok. I reckon he's got more than me. You tell me first, and then we'll follow each other and our adventure. Yeah, look, I did not win that battle. I bowed down to Simon's prowess. Simon also lives with an intellectual disability and unfortunately the reality for people living with disability in the Hunter is that it's really hard to find somewhere to live. For a long time he was living with family in Maitland but it wasn't quite what Simon wanted. I was living in Maitland for like periods of time so I was living up there I had nothing to do Mm. so I was just like and then I came here and then I thought well, Maitland was just like, just an old rubbish dump, I guess. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, but uh, yeah, so I came to Newcastle, meet new people. We've all been there. Hit a point where we want to leave our hometown, head to the big smoke, branch out and find new friends. But finding somewhere to live is hard. It's even harder when you're living with a disability. That's where this house comes into play. What makes this house different from, like, maybe next door? Hopefully we try and make it, we try and minimise those differences. Well, actually, yeah, I hope it's almost exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's what we hope. And you may have noticed when you come in, there's nothing here that would make you think that it's a house supporting people with a disability. That's the, that's the aim. Here are the other important players in this story. Chris Gibson and Patrick Bellamy, co-founders of disability service provider Clear Sky Australia. They do everything from employment to social programs and supporting people right around the Lower Hunter with a disability to live as independently as possible. To us, the the word group home is a bit of a dirty word. And so historically speaking, you know, opportunities for people with a disability to to move into shared living 
was was very much a crisis driven model. So what would happen? Um, this is before the NDIS. Um, is that you know a person with a disability would go on a waiting list, and their position on that list was generally dependent on some sort of crisis. So there was a breakdown in the family. Um, you know, the capacity to care or their care needs had changed. Mm. And that would generally mean then that that, that person would be offered the very next place, um, which usually meant that it was in an area that they weren't familiar mm. with people they've never met, mm. um, with staff they've never met. It was really traumatic. And it, the difference now is that people are empowered. Like Simon, who we've spoken to, he, he chooses where he lives, who he lives with, and he also chooses the supports that he has in place as well. So Simon sits on the interview panel and helps us decide who's going to work with him and share his space. It's his house. So who did Simon decide to live with? To share the rent, have the backyard cricket matches. Ah, that struggle to find a decent housemate. Hands up if you have a share house horror story. But Simon's made some good decisions with his two housemates. So I've known Dan longer Hmm. than... um, they're Mitch, yeah. so I, I've only just gotten to, into knowing Mitch, um, but hopefully down the track I'll get him to know him more yeah. and more. And yeah, so yeah. What's it? What's it like living here in in this place with your your housemates? Um, it's pretty exciting. Yeah. Um, like we tend to like have a bit of fun in the backyard and <laughs> and all that fun stuff, I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, I love like living with my housemates and they're the best and um, that's what counts. But let's just get realistic for a second because the Hunter's housing situation is hard for everyone. When I was first looking for a rental, I applied for over 50 properties and had over 50 knockbacks. The competitive and expensive rental market is threatening this model of independent living for people with a disability. A perfect example is we've had about three ladies who live in a house. They were living in Hamilton South. All of a sudden, with the housing crisis and everything went crazy, um, they got a letter uh, saying your rent's going up, up by $150 a week. Yeah. How crazy is that? Between three, the three, so that's an extra $50 these three ladies have to... It doesn't to... matter who's living. Like, exactly. if that was me on my... Like, yeah. it doesn't matter. That's what happened. So this, we've, we've actually had to relocate these ladies. But that's not out. easy either when there's yeah. 50 people at an open home for oh, that, that, one, exactly. one rental. We, so like it had, is a... oh, What about the other house? We had? So they had to move. Can you imagine an application you get for a rental? You've got someone with a high-paying job mm. or you've got someone, three people on a disability pension. Mm. You know, it's mm. just, it never works in the favour, unfortunately. Mm. I get my massive cranky pants on in this with this <laughs> subject. It keeps me up at night. Yeah, because, I, because I'm wondering what we even do about well, it. Like when, when you want this is, yeah, yeah. There's solutions. Hit me with it. So first and foremost, like we're in crisis right now. There's a crisis. Everyone's aware of it. People with disabilities are absolutely behind the eight ball when it comes to applying for rental properties. Mm. You know, you're, you're in a situation now where f- for it to be affordable for a person with a disability to live in share living there's five, six, seven people share houses popping up. It's absolutely ridiculous. I wouldn't expect to do that when I was share living with my mates. Yeah. Um, we're forcing people in, in outer suburbs, um, in areas that aren't generally safe. Rent assistance just does not cover it. So you're going to see more and more, and this is a huge crisis. If Simon and his housemates were priced out of the regular rental market, this affects a lot more than just where they sleep. Living together with that bit of support 
Chris Gibson says it's about the learning, the growth, setting up a future. The most important people in this whole thing is the people that you support. Mm. And if they're not learning how to pay their own bills mm. and they're getting um, vouchers for shopping centres to do their groceries, you know, it's not, you're not really building capacity. Mm. You, you're actually making people more reliant on you. And that's the opposite of what we should be doing. We should be building capacity mm. and reducing support. And that may be seen as a threat, but for a lot of the houses... The people we support, we've actually reduced their level of support over time because, you know, we're we're not um, we're not cowboys. We're not risk adverse. We're, we're, you know, if we can reduce somebody's support, and you know, our assessment is that that's a, that's a safe thing to do. Then we should do that. To be honest, I learn a lot spending an afternoon with Simon. How to dance better on TikTok. A little bit more about cricket. His meal planning is next level. Ravioli, that's like a delicious, delish. And then we do like a homemade sushi. That that was like my housemate's idea. Hot tip: head to Simon's on a Saturday. That's when they get the sneaky takeaway. And in chatting to Simon, I noticed lots of things made him happy. His face lights up when we talk about cricket or his friendship with his housemate Dan, the barbecues they have and a little bit of banter about both of us being on the dating apps. But when you ask him who makes the decisions in his life, that's when he looks the most proud. I'd probably say it's me because I make some good decisions or I'll make some bad decisions, but at the end of the day, um, I'm a grown adult and a man and... Um, and that's how an adult should be. Mm. Is the, um, that's who I am. Yeah. Yeah. How does that make you feel powerful to be able to make even bad, <laughs> we all make bad decisions, even bad decisions? It makes me feel heaps of better person. Um, it's good to have like good things in life just to be happy and just be yourself. He always say this about Simon is that he's an incredibly kind man. And so, you know, came in to share living and you couldn't cook and you learn all that stuff. But the thing that you learn, the thing that that takes, makes us super proud of you, mate, is you've actually just become like a really kind person. So Simon's the first bloke to, you know, if he gets home and his mate's washing's on the line, he's straight out there. Or if his mate's sick and it's his turn to cook, Simon's like, put your feet up, mate, I'll make you some chicken soup. It's actually like just a really good person so that's the thing that plenty of plenty of mornings where you come down and sandwiches are made yep <laughs> for the whole house yep. yeah. you're the mum yeah <laughs> yeah you, yeah you're the parent of the house yeah. we're making thing. sure everyone's sorted out yeah it's one thing you know that that's something you know you've you just had you've got in that's, you you can't teach that no, no. you can't always no. teach that that comes no. from like heart yeah yeah that comes from probably and heart. it's and it's also dedication from my mum and my grandparents the newcastle hunter catch-up is produced on a wabakal country it's presented and produced by me kaya handley it's produced by toby hemmings nick lowther is the supervising producer and bridget murphy is our digital producer If you like the pod, give us a review wherever you get your podcast. We'll be back next week with more local stories from around Newcastle and the Hunter Valley.